Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the What Type Ones Eat podcast. If you're new, well, thank you for joining us. Um, this podcast is all about how different type ones eat, how they manage their blood glucose, why they make those nutrition choices, and really just like a community um, chatting about different things uh, living with type one. Today we have Ali join us who also has his own podcast. Um, he is um, um, ex-professional swimmer uh, and he now cycles, does a lot of sport. Um, he's a really, really great guy and I am super excited to um, share this conversation with you. Before we hop in, I just wanted to remind you guys that um, this podcast is totally not intended as medical or nutritional advice and that you should definitely always consult a nutritionist or medical professional before making any changes to your diabetes management. Uh, so without further ado, let's hop in and listen to this really um, weird and like different, differently directed conversation with Ali. Today, we welcome to the podcast the wonderful, amazing Ali. Hi, Ali. What an introduction. <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah, I'd give you a good one. I was thinking, yeah. like, mentioning all your um, accomplishments, but then I thought I'd let you tell. <laughs> yeah, no, this is the first time I've sort of been on on one of the one of the diabetic podcasts, and that's that's yeah, it's gonna be a hard introduction to beat, I think. <laughs> I know you have your own podcast as well, so you're kind of used to the swing of things, but um, I guess it being interviewed is a bit different to um, being the interviewer. Yeah, it's a lot less pressure. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot. I, I, I was sort of more, I guess, looking forward to this. I was obviously looking forward. I've done I just uh, five or six on, on my own podcast and, and obviously interviewing various different people and and getting their insights and and I feel like um, I try and put a quite a bit of research in so at least have a rough idea of what they've been doing who they are um, so that I don't look like an absolute plonker um, yeah, you know what so, I like I do the opposite I just fly yeah. go with the flow <laughs> ask whatever questions if I get lost well then whatever <laughs> we'll yeah. just find something to talk about <laughs> yeah well yeah I mean as, as I say it's uh, <laughs> it's it's a little bit less pressure on this end. So no, I'm, I am looking forward to it. I think it'll be good. Well, let's imagine then that I've done no research whatsoever. Do you want to introduce <laughs> yourself? <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm uh, Ali. So I'm type one Al on Instagram. Um, I've been diabetic. Plug your Instagram, for... man. Plug your Instagram. Yeah, um, yeah. And type <laughs> one Al with, guys, if you want to listen to my... <laughs> to my podcast you can all, all six listeners after um, this one please though like after this one not before yeah no definitely this this one then mine if you want a full a full afternoon of, of diabetes um yeah so i've been diabetic since i was eight so coming up to 16 years now um yeah i'm normally based out in spain but because of the way the world is at the moment i'm back in the uk um and yeah i've had a sort of very sports-based background so far so I swam from a very young age um I competed nationally then then latterly I managed to compete internationally um 
and then I went to university at Loughborough, uh, swam for the team there and studied international business um, and then ended up yeah, moving out to Spain, sort of becoming a swammer rather than a swimmer and <laughs> um, yeah, managed to sort of end up where I am today, I guess. Nice. And what age did you compete from? Um, so I started, I mean, I was swimming pretty, I was swimming from eight. So, you know, when I was diagnosed, um, I, st- I, I started racing. started the age you, di- you got diagnosed? I was already doing lessons and I just sort of started oh, yeah. club, club swimming. So um, I was kind of in the swing of things. And then I started racing maybe properly at 10 and then um, swam all the way up to 21. Um, and that was when I stopped racing and now I just sort of <laughs> do it occasionally for fun. That's nice. Do you still do like races or not particularly? Um, so I stopped completely for, for 18 months and then being out in Spain, um, there was actually a, a Mallorcan championships and I got on very well with the coach who's out there and, and he just said, do you want to have a, do you want to have a go? Um, and I had a go and um, it was good. I really enjoyed it. And it was one of those things where, um, you know, throughout my whole career in, in, in the pool, there'd always been so much pressure to do well, to do certain times, to, you know, make certain championships, stuff like that. So to then get just get in and, and just swim as fast as I could, it was almost like sort of uh, winding back the clock a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and, and I absolutely loved it. So I think once I'm back out in Spain, I'll definitely try and swim every once a week and, and, and race occasionally. But I don't want to get back to the point where I'm kind of putting pressure on myself. That's really cool. So how does diabetes play a part in your swimming? I mean, diabetes is a part of everything, but what do you do with it? Yeah, so it was was a really strange one. I remember, you know, I wrote wrote about this not that long ago and and, um, my my mum reminded me that when I was diagnosed, one of the first questions I asked was whether I would still be able to swim. Um, So it was a huge part of my life, even at at eight years old. Um, And I always say that, you know, swimming had a huge impact on, on my diabetes and diabetes had a huge impact on my swimming. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was a relationship both ways there. Um, in terms of swimming impact in my diabetes, it, it was it massively helped. Um, so it sort of gave me that steady control throughout the day. Um, you know, that two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening, that really sort of leveled me out um, and allowed me to kind of manage my bloods a lot easier um, and I certainly noticed even when I used to swim on a Saturday morning and I wouldn't swim again till Monday morning and even my control on a Sunday afternoon was starting to sort of get a lot harder to control and was was yeah. more um, having more spikes so yeah it, it was that it certainly helped um, and then in terms of diabetes impacting my swimming there's it's just yeah I mean it, it was tough at times um, I think the hardest thing is obviously just the extra preparation I would say in terms of training and competing so making sure I was always you know taking on enough glucose when I was swimming and training so I didn't drop low making sure I was starting sessions on the right number um so I could finish the sessions um and then you know racing was just a a a sort of really a learning curve working out what worked for me um what numbers I like to race on because that had a huge impact on my performance um and uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was just a learning curve basically. Um, but it was just one more thing to think about. Um, and I guess at times quite frustrating because it's such an invisible condition. So, you know, there was plenty of times that I was at big competitions and 
maybe I didn't sleep particularly well because um, my control had been so poor overnight. Mm. But, you know, when I'm stood on the blocks, I look exactly the same as everyone else. So yeah. I liked that, but also, you know, there were, there were downsides to that. And as, as I say, it was just one more thing to try and run through in my head and, and make sure I was ready for. Yeah. And in terms of nutrition to fuel sort of like the exercise and the competitive side of things, was it any different? Was there anything specific that you had to do? Did you maybe have like a nutrition coach that worked with you? Um, latterly. So at university, um, we sort of had access to um, nutritionists. The level I was at, it was fairly basic. Some of the guys that were sort of swimming for Great Britain at that point and stuff like that, they they obviously had um more resources at their fingertips but um mm. in in terms of nutrition um when i was kind of moving through the ranks it was it was fairly basic to be honest it was um the the only thing i really noticed was that um when i was in particularly tough sort of um seasons or or, or periods of training um i always had to have kind of a long a long a slow release carbohydrate in the evening so i always had to have you know pasta or, or brown rice or something like that in the evening or i just dropped like a stone overnight and i you know even playing around with my levomere and and levels uh, you yeah, know when health. i trained it, it yeah it, it was sort of it got to the point where i just really needed that slow release energy overnight and it just became a routine and it wasn't particularly tough it just meant you know i knew the days that i was going to have longer sessions and harder sessions so it meant that on those days i always had you know a pretty hefty meal in the evening mm. um and, and similarly was that when like, I was, did you just find that out by personal experience or did someone advise you to do that yeah it was it, it in that specifically was 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 pretty much a personal experience it was sort of because it changed so often so you know the training i did at 12 years yeah. old was completely different to the training i did um when i was 20 and also you know that's that's a really important point as well is that you know when i was 15 16 i was swimming kind of open water i was swimming long distance events um so my nutrition for that was completely different to my nutrition at 20 years old my nutrition towards the end of my I guess, career in the pool, it wasn't too dissimilar to now. You know, I wasn't too worried about carbohydrate intake because I was doing so little training. I was doing sprint mm -hmm. events. So my events were only 20 seconds long, which meant, you know, I didn't have to train for particularly long. Yeah, Whereas when I was doing... Like, and you don't really have, like, there is not enough time for your blood sugar to do anything in those 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah. I guess and, it's and, like more of the stress that comes before or whatever comes after that does affect but like during that exact 20 seconds you don't really have to be too fussed about it yeah and it was you know in terms of the training i was still kind of doing two hour sessions you know numerous times a week so that was the hard part making sure that i was um you know the, the preparation for those sessions kind of started two or three hours beforehand so it was mm -hmm. right what am i going to eat to make sure that i'm a good level to start that session because you know, when I was doing less training, you know, when I was swimming maybe six or seven times a week, I needed those sessions to be good. So it meant that if I messed up and I, and I messed up the preparation leading into those sessions and suddenly I was hypo at the start of a session, that was one of my key six sessions for that week ruined because it might take half an hour to get up to a level where I can start training and then I've missed a quarter of the session. So it was kind of making sure I was kind of always aware of where my bloods were at when I was swimming and swimming, you know, at a high level. Um, yeah, but you were on finger pricks 
weren't you at that point? Yeah. So the whole time that I swam, um, I didn't use Libra. So I actually only used Libra when I stopped swimming. Um, and that was That's for a few not reasons. Handy at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it was for a few reasons. I was kind of, you know, towards, it, it's obviously not the technology still relatively new. Um, but in terms of towards the end of my career in the pool, it was, it was coming out and it was, um, you know, I was being offered it. Mm. Um, and you know, for one, I didn't like the idea of swimming and having something on me that was still sort of something mentally that I, I needed to deal with and, and didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't want anything, you know, especially in a sport like swimming where like let's be honest, you do that differentiation thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as I say, in a sport like swimming where you're literally wearing nothing, um, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I didn't want really funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah it's something that stands out quite a lot and and it's, and I didn't you know those closest around me knew I was diabetic but equally you know no one at a competition knew and I didn't feel they needed to so that was one reason um I feel it yeah. could have been like you know a good not scare thing but like they might have thought mm, he's type 1 diabetic I don't really need to try really hard but then you know <laughs> you just could win easily <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean it depends what competition there were certainly many many competitions where i, I didn't i do win. certainly hope that people don't think that just to say but um, no no yeah. i mean yeah i would be a bit devastated if they did but um yeah no i as i say it, and also so i did wear it um i usually but when i got back in the pool like i say uh, about a year ago 18 months ago and the problem i found was it with it was um when i was pushing off the wall kind of doing fast work it was pulling it wasn't necessarily coming off but when i was repeating that 20 30 40 50 yeah. times a session eventually it comes off yeah, so it's wet as well yeah so the, the the fact it's underwater the fact it was kind of loosening the adhesive and the fact you're when you're pushing and when you're sprinting in the water, you're going at quite a speed. So to have that kind of constantly pulling on it, um, it was quite uncomfortable and I just, I just really didn't like it. So I think even if I had Libra now, I wouldn't swim with it, um, which is quite a strange thing to say, because I know for most athletes, it's, it's hugely beneficial. I just really don't think um, it would work for me. But as you say, that meant that, um, yeah, I was on finger pricks, so I was pricking maybe you know twelve to fourteen times a day. Um, so it was it was a huge amount just to sort of, especially when I was training kind of nine, ten times a week. I was I was up to sort of fourteen times a day, and or you know setting at least one alarm every night, most nights two, um, just to make sure that I woke up on a reasonable number and 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 I was good to go. Um, and as I say, that sort of whole preparation for, for training sort of started first thing in the morning. We used to train half five in the morning. So um, it would be making sure that when I woke up at half past four, I was on a number where I could then eat. Um, I didn't used to take insulin at that point. And then I would eat. And then 45 minutes later, I'd be in the pool. So I am so uh, amazed because like you don't take your insulin for breakfast now either if you go on bike rides. Yeah. Um, like how? Yeah. So it's, it, it's a really strange one. So that is something that has, has definitely hung over from when I was swimming. Um, it was a habit that I really didn't like that I got into and, and 
basically I would wake up at half past four. I would always try and wake up on four or five, which is why I set the alarms. Mm. And then I would eat uh, a bowl of cereal, which was generally sort of 40 to 45 grams of carbs. And then I would often catch it just at the right point. So I would end up diving into the pool with a blood, uh, blood reading of about 10. Um, and then throughout the, throughout the session in the pool, I was easily getting through maybe 60 grams of carbs just to stay on that level. So most sessions. That just drives me nuts because basically like I can run, I don't know, for an hour and a half after my breakfast, but I'll eat 55 carbs and I'll still have to do four and a half units of insulin. Like, otherwise I'm just, it's just going to skyrocket for me. Yeah. So I, I messed about with it quite a lot certainly when I got more interested in, in how my diabetes was affecting my swimming, I sort of, I tried various different things. And, um, that was one big thing I did try was, you know, waking up slightly earlier. So I was waking up at four fifteen. Um, I would have some insulin, even half a unit and then dive in the pool at five thirty. So it was an hour and a 15 later and just wasn't enough time. Um, and, and when I started swimming, it was just instant. So I would, I would check my blood and I would, I would probably be the same. So I'd jump in about 10. Um, and then easily within half an hour, I'd be low. So it got to the point where without eating a horrendous amount of food and without having, you know, 0.1 of a unit of insulin, it just wasn't working for me. Yeah. Um, and it's strange because now, as you say, I do the same. So I wake up, um, I've started Zwift, which which sort of started after the whole lockdown thing, just because I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, it's the same for when. If, if, yeah, if, if I if I go for a run, it's the same. So I wake up on four. I normally eat, um, jump straight on the bike, and then I catch it. Um, I talk about catching it, just sort of getting that peak before it gets out of control, and then the exercise steadily brings it down. The main difference, I guess, with the running and the cycling is. Um, I I always have to inject afterwards, no matter how far I've cycled, ah. no, matter, no matter how far I've run. So I will I'll come down naturally, but then what I often see now I've got the Libra is, um, you spike you know, back I, up after. Yeah, right, really, really quickly. So I'll easily yeah. go, you know, you up know to what eight. Happens? So when you're exercising, all the energy goes to your muscles and it leaves the digestion tract. So none of it actually gets digested or absorbed. And then when you right. stop like your blood flow comes back and allows the digestive tract to kind of process the food that's in there. And then Mm. it hits. Yeah. Cause I remember reading one of your posts on it and I was thinking, you know, that that's exactly what happens to me. Mm. Um, and I think the strange thing is it, it never used to happen when I swam. And that was always why it kind of confused me that, you know, I would swim, um, and most often, you know, when I'm running and when I'm cycling, I'm not taking on any carbs. So obviously I'm dropping down and I'm, I'm allowing myself. The difference was when yeah. I swam, I wanted to stay on that level of 10. So I was taking on carbs the whole time. Um, yeah. And then when I finished the session, you know, I would just drop uh, instantly. And there was never a spike afterwards, you know, um, which is always really strange. And I still can't quite work out how that works or, or why that was the case. Uh, how um, Oh yeah. Like you say, it doesn't matter how long you ride or how long you run. Yeah. So I tried it deliberately for that reason. Um, just cause I was curious and I cycled for two hours, which was obviously generally the length of session that I used to do in the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and I was... that, well, because you're in water, there's a lot more energy demand. 
from your mm. body rather than you being just on a spin bike doing sort of mechanical work. Whereas yeah. here you also need to keep yourself up and like your body ends up using a lot more energy. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it's a strange one. I think maybe if I if I ran or if I went on the rower for two hours, I probably wouldn't see that spike afterwards. It's something that maybe when when I can build up to running for that length of time, I need to try and I'll, I'll see if it's the same. But certainly, you know, for the ten years that I was swimming early mornings, um, you know, half five to half seven, mm. that would be the routine. So half four, get up, bowl of cereal, uh, walk to the pool because um, I used to live really near the pool um, and then yeah jump in 5.30 and then I would try and sit te- at 10 and I would test after an hour obviously I was finger pricking so I would check maybe, after an you know hour. What I'm thinking maybe it's also um, and now I totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, we'll come back to you I'm sure. Mind blank. Never mind me I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no that's I mean no that's that's as I say that's um that's kind of what worked for me. And, and obviously my, the team at the diabetes center were kind of not that keen on the idea of me eating so many carbs without any insulin. But, um, yeah, I mean, it got to the point where I just would have had to wake up so early to get it out of my system. Um, yeah. So that I remember what I wanted to say. Um, maybe it's the time when you actually did it because you're on long acting injected insulin, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's to do with when your long acting peaks and what long acting you're on and you kind of wake up and do the session. Yeah. So someone, uh, I remember someone at the diabetes center suggesting that. So because I used to swim half five to half seven, obviously my overnight, so I, I have um, my Levamir in a split dose. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would have it, you know, normally after I finish the morning session, so about eight, and then I would have my evening one about 10. So obviously when I'm swimming, my evening level mirror is still active. Whereas now, um, you know, I have it at 10, I maybe get on Zwift at 10. So I've kind of lost the level mirror from the night before, or it's not as active, but I haven't had my next dose. So I don't know, to be honest, no, I have I don't no idea. Really, hmm. I like Levermere actually works about 12 hours so it would yeah. be running out by the point mm. but no nah, it depends like it acts a bit differently in each body so you can't really tell but yeah yeah just a phenomenon. so interesting though like <laughs> I like never knew you actually spiked up because I always see you like riding really long distances and like eating a ton load of carbs but then like I had no idea you actually spiked afterwards and I'm now it kind of makes sense to me yeah it's it's a bit frustrating because it's one of those things where um you know when I am doing longer rides at 100k I get to maybe 75k and I'm dropping quite quickly and I'm eating on the bike, but it's not showing. And I know as soon as I stop, even within 15 minutes, I'm going to start coming up. Try this for me next time. So instead of actually eating something, because your digestion is turned off, there's no point in doing that. Rather drink something because that will get absorbed without the body needing to use energy for digestion. I'll try it. And then I'll, I'll have to come back on Ali, right? Part two. <laughs> well, definitely. Yeah. If it yeah. works, then you should. If it, yeah, no, absolutely. Then yeah, you will have solved the problem, but yeah, no, I, I will. I'll try it because, um, you know, that's obviously what I used to do when I swam. I, I never ate anything during the sessions. Mm. It was, it was just drinks. Um, 
And it kept so maybe, up. It stayed up, yeah. I mean, you know, there was obviously sessions where I had issues, but well, of course, yeah. in general, yeah, it worked quite well. Um, tell me about actually living in Spain and in Mallorca. How is it? What's the healthcare like? Like, what is diabetes like living there? Um, it's okay. So that's very um. Yeah, that's a, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that's, that is the end of my answer. Um, no, it's 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 good. So I I'm always a bit cautious because I haven't really experienced it, and I say that because. Um, because of the place that I work, so I work at a, a sports, an elite sports facility, and they're only open from kind of February running through to the end of October. So what it means is there's clear points throughout the year where I can come home. And because on the NHS, I can get three months worth of um, prescription at a time. Um, I've never had to get a prescription in Mallorca. Now, I've only been in Mallorca for six months stints so far and obviously this would have been my full first year because I only graduated from university last year um so from next year on it will obviously be a little bit more complicated but in terms of um my strips my libra my insulin um my glucagon things like that I've always been getting them in the UK and then taking them with me um so that's worked well so far the only issue i had was i ran out of needles but i'm lucky that the town i live in i was just able to go to a pharmacy and i I it was something ridiculous like 50 euros for for quite a lot of needles so Mm. it was something that you know i've spoken to various people on on my podcast about this and and just about the the sheer difference in obviously we're very fortunate in the uk that you know i don't have to pay anything but even over there that's nothing compared to the states but 50 euros was still quite a shock um if you try and buy strips here out of pocket you'll see it's way too expensive yeah exactly so you know um, like i when i was in russia recently like the last time i went there um my basically my libres just died one after the other well they didn't die but they were so inaccurate that i was just like okay i'm going on a libre break and i didn't have enough libra like the test strips for my meter and i had to buy another meter because i couldn't buy test strips for the meter i have but the funny thing was 50 test strips cost me more than the meter itself no way yeah yeah it's it's a really strange one and i think it's you only really sort of in those situations that's when you realize quite how much things cost um yeah, but, but I've, in, I've heard somewhere that you can buy insulin without prescription in Spain. I'm not sure. I know the rules are slightly different in Mallorca because I had a few mm. issues with that. So that I have a lot of friends in mainland Spain um, and I know they do that. Um, but in terms of insulin supply, it's a little bit tricky on the island just because it's quite a small island. Mm. Um, so I tend to try and get it all in the UK just because it's insulin I'm familiar with and um, it's always worked quite well. And as I say, just the way that the center's set up, um, it means that flying back and forth, it really isn't an issue for me. Um, mm. In terms of just healthcare in general, I'm, I'm lucky as well is that um, before- You didn't need obviously, it. Yeah, I didn't. Well, one, I didn't need it. Two, obviously, being in the European Union, I was kind of covered, but now <laughs> we're not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but now I'm covered because um, because I'm employed in a Spanish company. Um, I managed yeah. to get my health care through there. So, um, 
in terms of just living there though it, it's amazing i mean i have a flat um with a pool and, and, a, and, a, and a lovely little roof terrace and it's it's the weather's absolutely beautiful and um it's an amazing place to live it's very quiet i would say that's probably the only downside to being there in your 20s um, I, yeah i guess it depends though like it depends on your kind of personality yeah exactly Because i know yeah. like i'd love a quiet place i'm like i'm social enough but um i like my space <laughs> Yeah. And it, no, it's, 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 it's an, you know, it's a lovely place. And as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm there because the center's there and I haven't had the luxury of having a car. So, you know, when I go back next year, hopefully if I get a car, it gives me the option to kind of live a little bit closer to Parma, which is obviously the, the, the biggest city there. Yeah. Um, go partying a little bit. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be a, bit, a little bit different, um, I think, but no, in general, it's an amazing place. And, um, a really cool place to live and there's for such a small island there's sort of quite a lot to do and quite a lot to sort of explore um so yeah no I, I love it and it certainly beats um you know I've I've lived in um different cities in the UK and I think it's it's you know it's, it beats cold and rainy <laughs> any <Definitely>. day <laughs> so i have no idea why this question popped into my head but um how did partying go at uni yeah um to be honest so my first year um obviously i was in halls with everyone else and not obviously i wasn't <clears throat> no well i was <laughs> <laughs> um and it was it was a little bit different anyway because I was in swimmers halls. So all the swimmers ah. that had joined for it, or certainly all the swimmers that were in the performance team um, were living together. So it meant our sort of fresher experience was a little bit different anyway, because we were all getting up early to go training. We were all, you know, were there to swim basically. So that is um, upsetting to hear, you know, <laughs> yeah. but then, you know, but then on top of that, it also meant, instantly we had people to go out with and we also went there and yeah but so, we didn't have the time to go out <laughs> yeah so fresh is yeah fresh is the first year I guess was a little bit quieter than most people's and then just in terms of the next four years that I was there um it was good I, it's just the sort of basic things you know I never really let it stop it was never really a consideration I shouldn't be going out because I'm diabetic the people around me that were closest to me were aware um you know i had people that would would ask if i was okay um which which i think you know so important and then like i remember in my first year i i did go out quite a bit to be fair because i wasn't training or swimming or anything like training for a competition but um i remember never taking insulin with me on nights out because i was like so afraid that someone would eject if i go hype like if i basically lose consciousness and someone would decide mm. to inject it and I like yeah. never took it with me yeah I well I used to do the really silly thing where I used to put it in my I used to take the pen out my you know out the pouch and just put it in my jeans with one needle and and of course when you're out on you know on a night out it was getting so hot <laughs> so yeah. You know, I was I was realizing after maybe a few nights out in one week because it was getting so hot and then cooling down and getting so hot, it was just absolutely ruining the insulin. So that was a bit of a nightmare. The other nightmare, I guess, in terms of going out, um, was trying to sort of because I didn't have Libra, it was trying to finger prick. So, <laughs> oh, I, that so been fun. trying to 
hold a toilet door closed with one foot while you're trying to finger prick with one hand and that is sort of my overriding I'm like really drunk really not sober yeah That's overriding stuff <laughs> yeah experience of trying to finger prick to make sure i know um but like That's everything just like imagining ali standing there <laughs> holding the door and yeah. like crunch trying to finger prick and check his blood yeah, well, it sort of looked like some sort of drunk flamingo stood on one leg trying to work out how to how to finger prick, and then we're standing there, you know, I mean, in terms in terms of nights out, lads don't really use the toilet, so yeah, um, it it was it was always a bit odd when I was going into a little cubicle and locking the door, and um, everyone thinking, God, what's that guy shooting up with? Um, so yeah, no, that that and then that, you find needles as well. <laughs> Yeah, and you've got needles and uh, so nah, there's little things, but it was never, it was never an issue really. Um, I would say I sort of got a lot better at it, which sounds really strange, but knowing what to do yeah. in certain situations. So, um, you know, for me, I always let myself go quite high with the with the knowledge that when I was sleeping, obviously I would start coming down quite quickly. Um, yeah, and it was just funny because like I usually. I am a big, like, big on dancing. I'm an ex-contemporary dancer. I used to do it, like, half professionally. Wow. And um, I'm, like, big on dancing. So I don't drink as much, but I dance it all out. So I always went hypo anyway. Ah, okay. So yeah, going was... high for me was never an issue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was a strange thing where, you know, when, when I first started going out and stuff, it was, it was, I wanted to go to bed on the same number that I'd be going to bed normally. Um, and then I realized for me, like I was going up easily to sort of 13, 14, 15, mm. um, and then would wake up on, on five. And that was sort of what worked well for me. And <laughs> it's certainly not something I would be doing every night, but certainly the nights that I was, I was out drinking quite a lot that was where I would try and go to bed so rather than going to bed on six or seven I was ending up going to bed on 15 and knowing that I would come down and then um but yeah in in, in terms of the whole experience you know I had some amazing nights out with some amazing people and and I wouldn't say diabetes was ever really a consideration all the people around me knew it was there and um and I sort of um the very odd occasion that I was in a position where I couldn't do it myself which I can is I'm talking maybe two or three times in my life um I've always been with either someone that I've been with at the time or um you know a really close friend that that I have absolute faith in um so but it, I never really like putting myself in that position it's not a position I ever really want to allow myself it's normally an accident <laughs> yeah of course well I totally can say that like I don't regret any of the nights of mine either and like I just yeah I don't think diabetes should stop you from doing anything including drinking and going out because it's just part of life yeah no I think so and I think um I certainly think I would be sat here with more regrets if I was saying you know I didn't go out because I was scared what 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 would have happened um I think you know, as long as you can say you, you, you made the most of it then. Um, and, and as long as you're sensible to a certain degree and, and you know what you're doing, then, then yeah, I think I that's also, the most important thing. I also loved how you said that you got better at it as like you 
had more nights out because yeah. like, that is everything with diabetes. Like you just need to repeat it a couple of times and then you sort of figure it out. I think it's one of the strange things where it's, it's almost, you know, it's an awkward one because who do you talk to about it? You know, you, you, you know, I certainly wouldn't, I didn't really want to be going to my parents and say, Oh look, I'm going to have loads and loads to drink. What am I going to do? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, it's just one of those situations where, you know, and you, and you feel a bit awkward going to your diabetes team and saying, you know, in this situation where I've had horrendous amount of alcohol, what do I do? And I think that's where the whole learning, learning just from yourself and learning how to manage it and learning from your own experiences is, is quite important. I remember watching this one YouTuber that I found who like it's she's a, she was a girl with type 1 diabetes and she was like literally vlogging about her um experience with uh going out in first year in uni and i literally like learned stuff from her and then actually i did speak to my diabetes team but they were like really vague about it because i guess yeah it's a bit of a iffy topic mm, i think that's the thing and they don't want to be seen to sort of encourage that behavior which i obviously completely understand i just think um you know, even little things that we've talked about, you know, I tended to go high and then would drop down, whereas you were completely different. So it's, yeah. I think something that's so unique. And then also there's so many variables, you know, how long you've been out, if you've been drinking during the day, what you've been drinking, whether it's, you know, spirits or beer or whatever, it, there's so yeah. many different variables. So it's kind of learning, um, learning how to manage that. You know, I used to be, um, sort of about as far away from a manly man as you can get and I absolutely despise sort of beers and I would be sat there with cocktails and things so um Ooh. obviously absolutely rammed full of sugar so that I you feel know. that's why you went high and I didn't because I drink like spirit and mix like and diet mixer so I never actually had any sugar yeah now I'm the same and it's a lot more manageable um <laughs> but, it, but at first I was sort of all about the pina coladas the experience <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Ali. So we're coming up to the end and I just want to ask you if you want to add anything that I didn't ask you. Um try and have a think now. Put me on you the spot. Can just say like a wise wisdom quote of yours or <laughs> like just come up with whatever about diabetes. Um well I'll tell you what. So I was actually this stuck with me and, and, you know, there are so many people, um, so many people living with diabetes that, and, and also so many people at the minute on Instagram kind of sharing their story. And, and I think it's brilliant, but I also think, um, everyone sort of has a different approach to it. Um, and I think that's quite important. And I was speaking to Stephen Dixon, um, on on my podcast just a few days ago and he's a news anchor on sky news which is obviously a big news station in in the uk yeah and um i was chatting to him about sort of his attitude towards diabetes and he said so diabetes should be viewed as sort of like a friend that rather than constantly trying to lose them so rather than a friend that you're just walking around a shopping center with and you're constantly trying to lose them and constantly trying to get rid of them okay so it just I has feel to be like i need to go and teach to uh, speak to steven because that's my quote oh is it okay well <laughs> no, like i'm joking than... but like i literally <laughs> say that and i have no idea that yeah he does well, rather well. than that he he just said it needs to be something that 
you sort of learn to learn to embrace it doesn't have to be something you like it just has to be something that you learn to embrace and you learn to live with and I think sort of getting to that point where you know you can accept it and you can just say look this is where it's at and almost work out what the positives are and I think another person that I'm speaking to it's very very hard to sort of find positives in diabetes but at the same time you know there are so many traits that I have as a person now I certainly wouldn't have if I wasn't diabetic, you know, just in terms of time management, in terms of kind of motivating myself to get up in the middle of the night and test my bloods, in in terms of sort of motivating myself every day to try and have good control. You know, these are all things that every type one deals with. Um, So when you flip it on its head and you say, what wouldn't I be doing if I didn't have diabetes, then suddenly you can kind of very easily see, although it's a strange way of looking at it, you can see the advantages that it's kind of brought about. Definitely, because it's all about the perspective, right? So absolutely, yeah. And I think I think trying to take positives out of any situation is obviously, you know, it's cliche, but it's it's a useful sort of place to get into mentally. Yeah, definitely. Well, Ali, thank you so much for taking the time to <laughs> come on the What Type Ones Eat podcast. Not um, a problem. Thank you again. Bye. Not a problem. It's been a pleasure. Bye bye. Thank you so much for joining us and listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you have, please uh, rate, review and subscribe to the podcast in your podcast app. It really helps get the podcast up in the ranks. Check out Ali's Instagram. He is type1al. Um, I will leave the link in the description below and check out my Instagram. I am at T1LevelDaria. I also have a um, blog. Uh, It's www.t1leveldaria.com. I'll really appreciate if you guys connect, message me, and I will chat to you soon.